Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you rule and reign in the affairs of our lives. We thank you that you are working behind the scenes of our lives. We thank you that you have never lived us, nor will you forsake us. We thank you for a broken and a contrite heart. We thank you for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding into all things. We thank you for grace to continually and daily spend time in the presence. We thank you that your will is being done in our lives. We thank you for Jesus, the escape route. We thank you that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst tonight and our discussion. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. I was come to say, can I hear your loudest Amen? But wherever you are listening, <laughs> give your loudest Amen because God is working behind the scenes of our life. You'll be amazed. So tonight we are continuing our second episode. Um, maybe to be our last episode. We will see how it goes. I don't know whether I will talk a lot. <laughs> we are looking at the three classmates: Joseph, David, and Daniel. Second Corinthians ten. The verse number 12. Let's just read it again. And tonight I'll be making out of football examples because pardon me, I the ladies, but I'll, I'm sure I'll say it in a way that you would understand. But I, one reason why I like football is not just what goes on on the pitch, but how the career of a footballer is very fascinating. And it teaches you so much about that, so much about the choices you make the influence of the team you find yourself in. So some players have won so many trophies not because they're good, but because they found themselves in a good team at a particular time and not go ahead of self. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. And I explained it last week that Paul is saying that we do not count ourselves to be among those who are in a particular class, so to be among the number. Nor do we compare ourselves with those that commend themselves. You know, some people think they have made it in life because maybe by age 25, they have bought a car, they are working in a good place, they are married, so they are commending themselves actually on the next big thing in life. Wow. And they, by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they are no ones. Paul is telling us the only reason why they are counting themselves worthy is because they compare themselves with themselves and they measure themselves by themselves. And when they, that they see, in quote, how great they are, and it makes them think that they are doing something. But Paul is saying that they are no ones. And for so many reasons, for so many, and we'll be looking into it. So please, this episode, to really understand the context, I really appreciate it if. You can listen to last week's episode. That is the three classmates one. So you can get the background of what we are really talking about. We're talking about Joseph, the last but one child of Jacob, David, the king of Israel, and Daniel, the governor or a president in Babylon. How three of them, about the age 17, that's when their story was supposed to be documented in the Bible. So that's I would say that's when they had the call of God. They had the admission to study in the University of God. And they read the program BSC, the Will of God for Your Life. 
and we took us through how the fact that do these three were classmates and all of them were within the same program and were admitted by the same chancellor and they had the same lecturer the diversity in everything is fascinating and today i want to start on a football note as i said even those football examples i believe you can understand it now for we in particular i'm a Ghanaian, and i remember in the year 2009 we won the World Cup under 20 yes with the likes of Dominic Adia and Dede Ayu and Jonathan Mensah and some players. And not just that, we didn't just win the cup. I think our player was the top goal scorer. I think around for the same or something like that. He was the top goal scorer. Then we had the best player in the tournament, Dominic Adia too. So it's like, in fact, we sucked the whole hour. Fast forward, 10 years from that, I can tell that none of them None. Don't if you're don't mention are you and the are you that's you like a captain in Swansea? You're not that much from your starting. If your career is starting on that note, that may be a little bit harsh, but none of them have achieved the feat that Ghanaians were expecting of them. The only ones we could say that are still keeping their head in the game is Jonathan Mensa. He's a captain of a team in I think in America and he won. I think two years consecutively I've been the team of the year, but if you're playing in America, that's not where we're expecting to be. If you won a World Cup and you were sharing the same platform with players like Tony Cruz. And I remember just recently I saw a picture of the person who won the best player of the tournament, the Ghanaian Dominic Adeya, on the same platform, if I think I'm right, Tony Cruz and somebody else, another big player, I forgot to. But fast forward 10 years now, None of the Ghanaians have made anything significant in their career in Europe. Because, you know, European football is where the ashes. The best I can say we have is Jonathan Mensah and our captain, Dede Ayu, <laughs> who is playing in Swansea City, not even in the Premier League. The Premier League teams he played for, one went to relegation, another one they sacked him. But yeah. And as for Dominic, at the year I ran for the say, hmm, the least said about them, the better. And what is my point? My point is that many of us, due to the way we start life, we have a certain assumption or by calculations, we think that we get to a particular end. And we are realizing that for last week, we started a foundation about Joseph. And we look at that foundation. Joseph from a loving family, loved by his father, but not so loved by his siblings. In fact, they sold him. David was not so loved by his father. Daniel from a dislocated family, and he was even castrated. But look at the diversity of the operations, or look at the diversity of the starting points, but all of them made it in life. You know, the reason why I brought the football thing is that there are two things I noticed that in football, we have an award called Golden Boy Award, and it's an award given to young players, I think below the age of 21, either 20 or 21, like the best player below the age of 21. And I can just tell you, look at the list of those who have won the Golden Boy Award. Less than 50% of them ever won the Ballon d'Or. And the Ballon d'Or is like the best player of the world. So this is the rationale among your mates, because I think 21 years and below, if you're the best player among your mates, at least when you are now in your full-grown career, that's from like age 22 going, at least you should win one Ballon d'Or. So look at those who won the Golden Boy Awards and compare how many of them that have won a ballon d'or in their life, at least just once. The best you can see is Lionel Messi. And even if I look at someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, he was nowhere to be found below the age of 21. 
but then he is rubbing shoulders with Lionel and vice versa. Now, this brings me to a very important article. I was listening to one of my favorite factors during the week, and it was talking about an article that was about Eddie Bloomers. And you can take this, and I've noticed it. And the article said that all children who are the very young stage of their life, that is, let's say, below 16 years, were doing fantastic things. Less than 90%, if, if I'm right, the percentage is that 90% or like 98% of them hardly ever achieve half of their potential when they grow up. And you can take a look at it. Look at your primary school, the person was stopping in class. Or look at your secondary school, the person was stopping in class. But now, or you are expecting that in your 30s and your 40s or 50s, they will be the big, big people. They will be the top neurosurgeons, getting the big what, Nobel Prizes, <laughs> or doing significant things in life. And look at those who are young, who are really good with some things, like who had a lot of talents. You can't do that personal side. Maybe somebody by the age 13, 14, the person could play the piano, the person could swim, like the person could do everything. And the article says that about 90% of all children, we call them early bloomers, who at a very tender age of their life achieve a lot of things. They hardly achieve a lot when they grow up. And I want to leave you in suspense as to why that happens. I'll try and get the article. Hopefully, in the next episode, I'll share how you can get the article so I can go and read about it. And it even happens in football. This is why it is very unwise to compare yourself with one another. Because the fact that you are winning the best player in an under 20 tournament says very little, very little about whether you make it in your professional career. The fact that you are topping class when we're in class one, class two, class three, class four. In fact, I don't, <laughs> most of my mates are listening, so I don't, but my mates from JSS, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> the person was topping our class. Yeah, let me just leave it there. But all these things are just teaching us about the reality of life. And that's what the three classmates also teaching us. So we don't want to make some few deductions from the story of Joseph, David, and Daniel. And the first one we have made is that your beginning has very little to say about your end, especially when you are dealing with God. And we looked at it, Joseph loving father, David, not so loving father. Daniel, really unknown father. But these three are from completely different families. But all of them achieved the maximum purpose. Or all of them were highly successful. So that is to say that it doesn't really matter. Or it has an effect too. But at the end, it doesn't really matter whether your father or you have a good family like Joseph. Or you have a not so good family like David. Or you, dear, you don't even know your family like Daniel. It has very little to say about what God can achieve in your life. I want to read this scripture, Romans chapter 4. And using the message version, because the message version puts it in a very fantastic way. Romans chapter 4, the verse 17, message version. It says that we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. Ah, I read it again. Romans 4 verse 17, message version. We call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. God said to Abraham, I set you up as the father of many people. 
Abraham was first called father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do only what God could do. That is, raising the dead to life with a word making something out of nothing. Ah. It doesn't matter whether your father likes you and has made a robe of many colors for you. It doesn't matter whether your father has relegated you to the wilderness to take care of the sheep, nor whether you don't know your father. The issue is about if you are confident in God. If you can put your last best on God, that God is able to make something out of your life. Therefore, you kill every form of action and thought that will make you act otherwise. That is why we started last week's episode. And the point we made across last episode was that be rest assured that God is working behind the scenes of your life. But the second lesson we want to learn from the three classmates is that God is an expert in making something out of nothing. That is why it doesn't matter whether Dominic Adia is winning the best player in the under-20 tournament and you might be a weak player. Ngolo Kante, whose professional career started around the age of 25. Or you might be uh, Olivier Giroud, whose career also started around the age of 24-25. We call them late groomers. Or you might be uh, Jamie Vardy, who was a factory worker until like age 28 and he won the Premier League in a club nobody expected. So you can imagine how these players would have felt when they were also the age of 20, 21, 19 and they saw a Daniel holding the award in the World Cup under 20. But it would have been very unwise of them to negate what God can do in their lives because they are not the ones holding the tournament or holding the cup. That is why Paul is saying that we are not there that commend ourselves. Because it's only when they compare themselves with one another and by themselves they measure each other, they are not wise. That is why we should not do that. Now, the next thing we want to learn from the three classmates, Joseph, David, and Daniel, is that life is in seasons. And as we mostly say, the only constant thing in life is change. So if you look at from Joseph, where he started from, to where he ended up. Look at the various seasons he went through. Look at David, where he started from and how he ended. Look at Daniel, a refugee, a captive, to where he ended at. You realize the fact that they went through various seasons of life. David was first a house, was first the armor bearer. Then now his master tried to kill him. Then he became friends with Jonathan, his master's son. Then he was running away from him. He was loved by lame people, by rejected people. He was in the cave of Adullam. He was living in wilderness. He had, at a point, he had to be friends with the Philistines. At a point, he had to pretend to be mad. Look at the various seasons that David went through. Even in his reign as a king, his children went to steal somebody's wife. They wanted to take somebody's wife. One of his sons left to the stepsister. He was abandoned. The son came to kill the brother. That brother went on exile for two years. That brother later, look at the various seasons all these people have gone through. And it's very important that we appreciate the reality of the seasons of life. And the only reason why the Bible tells us to consider the ant, and the only reason why the Bible tells us that the ant is a wise creature, Therefore, we should consider the way it lives is because the ant knows one truth, that life is in seasons. And because the ant knows this truth, it has shadowed its life around it. So the ant knows 
that when it is raining, it's not going to rain forever. I must be doing what I must start doing. I must start harvesting. And when I'm harvesting, I'm not harvesting to consume it now. I'm harvesting to put some in store because the ants knows that a season of life is coming where there will be dryness. So the ant is never a lack. The ant is a rich creature. So the ant always has money. The ant is never broke. Only because the ant knows the importance of seasons of life. So Proverbs tells us, go to the ant, you slugger, you lazy person, and consider its ways. Says, Though the ant has no ruler, that means nobody tells the ant what to do. Look at your life. Somebody must always tell you what to do. You don't know when you're in a season of getting married. You don't know when you're in a season of working. You don't know when you're in a season of saving. You don't know when you're in a season of investing. You don't know when you're in a season of prayer. As I'm seasons in your life, you must invest in prayer. As I'm seasons in your life, you must invest in working for God. Not that you would work for God and the other seasons, but in a certain level, in a certain intensity. As I'm seasons in your life, you must invest in reading books. As I'm seasons in your life, you must invest in networks. And as I'm seasons in your life, you must invest in resting. But because we don't know these things, we are taking the wrong decisions. Because if you are living in a country that has different seasons, outside like Africa or Ghana, that has only mainly two seasons, even at Ghana, you don't expect the raining season you behave like it's in a dry season. So the season of life will tell you what you should be doing. So if it is summertime, you don't go and wear pullovers and jackets when the time is out. So the season of life will tell you the activity to engage in. And it is a simple truth that the ant knows. That is why the ant is considered wise. There was a season when Joseph was in a pit. There was a season when Joseph was sold to slavery. A season when he was a servant. A season when he was in prison. A season when he was interpreting the king's dream. A season when he was a prime minister. A season when he was saving his family. A season that he had to take his children, even when Manasseh to be blessed by their grandfather, Jacob. Life is in seasons. The earlier we appreciate and understand this truth and inform our lives. I love a statement that I saw somebody else say, Many of us in our sowing season are eating our seeds because we are looking at somebody who is in his harvest season. Ah. So somebody is in his harvest season and the person is eating the harvest. You, God has given you a seed. Instead of you to sow your seed, because you are looking at the person in his harvest season, you are rather eating your seed instead of sowing your seed. There's a season to sow, a season to wait. And there's a season to harvest. But because we are comparing ourselves to one another, we are taking the wrong decisions in life. The three classmates, Joseph, David, and Daniel. The next lesson we can learn from this story is the diversity of God's operation. And you can see that clearly. As I said, the three of them were in the same university, University of God, UOG, that's the abbreviation University of God, we were all within the same program. That is the rule of God. They were all admitted by the same age, age 17. But all of them had totally different pathways. One of them, his skills was in interpreting dreams. That's what Joseph had. Joseph, all he could do was interpret dreams. And I could say, fine, he had wisdom because he knew how to store grains for seven years of famine. That one guy was because he had a dream and seven years would be coming. <laughs> So what were Joseph's skills? 
dream interpretation. What was David's skills? A warrior and a man of valor. What was Daniel's skills? Excellence in administration. So instead of you to be looking at what somebody else is doing, you should be exploiting to know what God has given you. And as uh, we mostly say, God asks Moses, what is in your hand? You need to appreciate the diversity of God's move. That is why when you are age 25 and you are not married and your mates are married, it doesn't mean anything unless you are taking the wrong decision. That is why you are in the situation you find yourself in. But if you have flow with God, if you learn to appreciate the diversity of God's operation, and I'm hoping that maybe one time, maybe in the near future, I'll do this same topic, the three classmates, a remix, and I'll look at Noah, Abraham, and Moses. You see, Joseph, David, and Daniel were the younger generation. So I started preparing notes on it. Noah, Abraham, and Moses. Noah was called to build an ark. That was all basically he was supposed to do. Abraham was called to give birth to Isaac. That was all he was supposed to do and to command his household after God. Moses was called to lead the people of Israel to the promised land. But all of them were called when they were old. Moses had the first call around the age of 40, but he actually started moving it around the age of 80. Abraham had his first call around the age of 75. Noah was almost 100, if I'm right, or 90. So that's also their own. That's another three classmates. These are the old, <laughs> mature students. But it just lets you appreciate the diversity of God's move. That is why if somebody is doing something, doesn't mean that you should do that. Or maybe because that's one thing about having mentors or people you look up to. Let me use football. The fact that maybe you look up to a particular footballer doesn't mean that your pathway is going to be the same as the person. So some people say, oh, because the Cristiano Ronaldo want to play in Real Madrid, you need to, I want to go to Real Madrid. It's not Real Madrid where your shine is going to be. Your shine is not going to be at Real Madrid because Cristiano Ronaldo played for Real Madrid. No. You should learn to appreciate the diversity of God's operation in your life. But the reason is that because we are always comparing ourselves to another, we try to force God to do in our lives as he's doing in the lives of Joseph or David or Daniel. No. No. No, Joseph was called to save his family. David was called to establish Israel. And Daniel was called to influence Babylon and to deliver the people out of bondage. But all of them were in the will of God for their life. The next thing you want to learn from these three classmates is the reality of obstacles in life. I'm sorry, but one day too, I'll do a series titled Obstacles. There are many obstacles, and the obstacle I like very much, not that I like, I like, but an obstacle that I found very interesting is the obstacle called ridicule. Many of us don't like to be ridiculed, and it's a big obstacle. And if you look at Joseph, David, and Daniel, which of them do not face obstacles in their lives? In fact, I don't know which one I would like to be in, Well, I don't think if I was Joseph, I could hold myself in when Potiphar brought her offer. Looking at the fact that I have been in a pit, I have been abandoned, and even when I held myself in, I was taken to prison for two years. I was there for a while. After I interpreted the dreams of the baker and the buckler, the guy forgot about me for two whole years. Hey, can you imagine the depression I'll be going to in prison for two whole years? Joseph did not have it easy. Your own brother sold you to slavery. Ah, look at David. Your father did not like you. He did not even think you were qualified to be a king. Now they've come to anoint you, thinking that you just walk into their place. King Saul is now tormenting your life. Can you imagine a demon-possessed man tormenting your life? 
somebody who you had the opportunity to kill the first time and you didn't and you went to him and said Charles King so I could have killed you and King so will cry that oh my son I'm sorry and blah, 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 blah. he will go into him and come again and come and attack you again and yet again you get the opportunity to kill him and still you won't kill him you were in the cave of Adolam you were raising physically challenged people look at even his family issues the reality of obstacles look at the battles david had to go to after the lion and the bear he had to go to his brothers who were talking him down to goliath to kings so oh god look at daniel you they have tried to kill you by fire <laughs> fire didn't work they have taken you to a den of lions <laughs> it didn't work the colleagues are working with i can't skip you know how uncomfortable that is hmm. When you are working and your colleagues are trying to scheme to bring you down, and then when you go to work, hey, what's up, Charlie? They are just plotting your downfall. You two have been castrated. You can't like a woman. Ah, Charlie, 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 Charlie. I think I like my life the way it is. <laughs> But this thing teaches us about the reality of obstacles, and these obstacles in no way negates the fact that God is working in your life. In fact, they rather enforce the fact that God is behind the scenes because though ten thousand obstacles come up against you, ten thousand times God delivers you. The reality of obstacles. I think everybody. <laughs> to one point in their life try to start a business a proper business <laughs> no not is there everybody is calling himself ceo when ceo means chief executive officer you there are no officers you don't have a group of officers that are their chief yet they are calling yourself ceo you alone you are selling something on social media you are calling yourself a ceo hmm, mercy but ever if you have the opportunity you realize how naive you are when you are starting you start to do calculations oh a day i'll make 100 sales or i'll make 30 sales if i make 30 sales a day i'll make in a profit of 5 cities if every man tell you are doing fantastic calculations uh, when you start and you know the thing to about when you in a ganyan quarter that your friends will try to blackmail you oh maybe i'm selling perfume come and buy my perfume or i'm selling whatever The person would buy because he's your friend and you know Ghana, they say supports the business. But the person cannot keep buying. So after the person buys the first time and maybe the person doesn't, not the person doesn't like the product, but the person doesn't need the product, the person will stop buying. You can go a whole month, two months, three months, no sales, and you see. <laughs> Or when you want to now go formal, you look at the cost of paying tax, registering the business, and eventually you just don't have the funding for it. And you start one year, you are not making any profit. You are barely surviving. Second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, just depression and bad news and obstacles and delays and frustration. Ah, they not break your heart. But this is the reality of life. Look at Nehemiah. Common war he was trying to build. Look at the obstacles he faced. And this story about the three classmates is teaching us about the reality of obstacles in our lives. And the next thing, this story teaches us is that there's always going to be a period of waiting. Learn to kill haste in your life. Most of us are in a hurry. And as I said, it's because mainly we are seeing people who are saying 30 and 30, 40 and 40, most influential young people in the nation. And you look at them, they are your age mates. Many of us are in a hurry in life. 
oh i want to establish my first business by 23 uh, get married by 27 build my first mansion by 29 if the resources come or if you find yourself in a situation where you can do that absolutely go for it but if that's not the pathway that god has chosen for you learn to be patient with god david was anointed king at age 17 16 there about he became king he was ordained as king he was crowned as king at age 30 joseph also had a dream about age 17 that he was going to be great it was about age 30 that he became the prime minister daniel dear he didn't have any dream he was just a devout jew that did not want to defile himself <laughs> but look at the period of waiting and whether you realize it or not waiting it's a part of the process and it can be so frustrating because you know human beings we like to get things done we like to be on the move we don't like to feel idle you know you just want to get things done but sometimes the only thing you can do is to wait when you look at abraham when god told abraham something at like 75 even though abraham contributed to his delay it was also because he was the haste so when sarai offered hagar he quickly jumped for it and that i believe prolonged his duration but there's that season of waiting and when you know about sowing and reaping when you go and sow a mango seed i don't think tomorrow you go and look at hey has my seed grown i remember when i was young i remember particularly i said i was going to add a mango seed i went to plant the thing the thing never grew i don't know what i didn't know what time. i don't remember exactly what happened but i just realized that i had an abandoned life yet. but nobody goes to the farm and go and sow a seed then in a week or a month the person is expecting the crop to grow no there is that season of waiting that period of waiting that period all you can do is just to be still and see the salvation of the lord and i know for many of us the year 2020 was a period of just being there well there's very little you can do you just can't do anything with the 2020 and if let's say <clears throat> you are waiting on something maybe for a businessman you are waiting on your goods to be delivered or something at that point you can't do nothing that if you have done all your you have put things in place now the only thing you can do is just to wait for the goods to arrive and you must learn to appreciate that in the process of god there is a season called wait don't be your is kill it in your life kill it Don't be under pressure. Don't let people pressurize you because somebody has got a car, somebody has got a day, somebody has got. Don't let it put you under pressure. Keep giving God your best. I'm not saying be lazy. You know, sometimes we Christians to can stretch the truth, but it is a narrow path. Stick to the process. Sow your seeds, water your seeds, and wait. Apply your fertilizer because the harvest is sure to come. God is called the Lord of the harvest. I think we'll be ending the series with this one. The last two things. The last but one is that your gifts would make room for you. And I know we know the scripture in Proverbs. It's your gifts that will make room for you. So what took Joseph into stardom is ability to interpret dreams. What took David into stardom is ability to battle and his leadership quality. It was his ability also to sing or to compose wonderful poems that's how come when Saul was tormented and they needed somebody to play the instrument somebody said I know a man when I think I'll do a series like that I know a man you always need a recommendation I know a man I know a boy who is very good and this is a gift that made room for him 
Daniel too, he was excellent in leadership skills. He was 10 times better. I know maybe you have heard this thing several, but you really need to sit down and list out the gifts that God has given to you and make sure that you exploit each and every one of them because each and every one of them will open massive doors for you that you can never imagine. David was a warrior. David was a psalmist. David was a shepherd boy. David was a king. He had many gifts. And you also, God has endowed you. In fact, you just imagine you are that servant that he has given you one talent. At least you have one talent. Don't bury your one talent. Don't. I pray for us all that anybody who has buried his one talent because you are looking down upon it and because of fear, may God grant us the grace to unearth our one talent in the name of Jesus. Because with that, that which is going to deliver you into stardom, into greatness, is that gift, that rod that is in your hand, that oil that is in your house, and the prophet is saying, what do you have? And all you are saying, I have one barrel of oil that I and my child are going to take and you die. That one barrel of oil is all that God needs. That gift, that ability, it may be little things like writing, exploit it. It may be administrative, exploit it. It may be your sanguine personality to flow with people, exploit every gift that God has given to you. Because it's a man's gift that will make room for him, room for him. So let's say you are a footballer. We know that Charlie, there's no space if you want to be a top striker. Lewandowski has taken their place. Hurricane has taken their place. And we're, like the people over there, imagine you're a football channel. There's no space for you. If you want to go to the big club, like even if I had my own team, Tammy Abraham, there's no space for you. But your gift will make room for you. So even when there's no room, they will construct a new room because of how well you have exploited your gift. Your room will make your gift to make room for you. Sweetheart, do not take this thing for granted at all. Because it is your key, or it is the key that will open that door to start on for you. The last thing is that all of them, Joseph, David, and Daniel, even though one was a prime minister, one was a king, and one was a governor, they were all called into a place of influence. And this is what many of us are really trying to shy away from. Jesus said it in Matthew 5 verse 16. He says, you are the light of the world. You have been called into a place of influence. The earlier you know this thing, the better for you. It says you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the citizen upon the hill. Now, if you put all these three together, one thing that runs through is that they have been called to influence. Light influences a place. When the light comes, darkness leaves. Salt influences a soup or a stew. It brings flavor. It preserves. City upon the hill means you cannot be hidden. You are noticeable. That's what God has placed you. God has called you into a place of influence. And you may not necessarily be the king, but you can be that slave girl who will go and tell him, I know a man, I know a prophet. You may be Nehemiah, you may be bearing the buckler, you may be holding the cup that the king will drink from. But that place that God has given to you is to give you access to the king and favor. So when you tell the king that I need to go back to Jerusalem, and rebuild my walls, the king will give you permission and also give you resources. You have been called into a place of influence. We Christians must realize that we have been called into leadership because whether you realize it or not, everything rises and falls on leadership. The reason why Africa we are the way we are is because of leadership. 
I will say this, the whites in quote for the Europeans are not more wiser than us as a people. They all break the laws, they are all corrupt, everything. But leadership has put in a good structure, a good system that works. So somebody always gives the example that no person from Africa would ever go to Europe and litter. When you enter the environment, the environment itself will tell that, brother, you don't drop something on the floor. Because the environment forces you, the system forces you to live a particular life. And the system is created and enforced by leadership. So if a leadership is condoning corruption, you can imagine what's going to happen in the country. If a leadership is slow, the Bible says that when justice is slow in being executed, the hearts of the people grow weary and every evil thing begins to flourish in that nation. You must appreciate that the reason why God has given you the Holy Spirit is because you have been called into a place of influence. Joseph was to be a prime minister. David was to be a king. Daniel was to be a governor. All these are places of influence. And wherever you find yourself in life, know this thing that you are the light of that academic world. You are the light of that fashion design world. You are the light of that medical world. You are the light of that entertainment world. You are the sort of business. You are the sort of politics. You are the sort of governance. You are that city that is set upon a hill in the world of sports, in the world of tourism, in the world of business. You are the light, you are the salt, and you are a city set upon a hill. That is your identity, and that is who God has made you. Even as we draw the curtains down to this short series on three classmates, I pray for us all that the lessons you have learned from these two episodes will be engrafted in our lives. Kill haste in your life. And as a point of ending, I'd like to just, I'm a Chelsea fan, so allow me. <laughs> There's something I noticed in Chelsea, or let's see. There's a player called Hanson Odoi. He burst into stardom, if I should say, about two, three seasons ago. And I remember Chelsea fans were giving our good pressure. Play this guy, play this guy, play this guy. After the time, Hanson Odoi was the first kick, and big clubs like Bayern Munich wanted him. Nobody knew about a guy called Mason Mount. Nobody knew about him. Two, three years down the line, Hanson Adoy is barely making a starting eleven, And Mason Mount is almost undroppable in the Chelsea team. If you don't get what I'm trying to say, then you have not really understood the series. Second Corinthians 10 verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves and not wise. What to pray to God for wisdom. Father, need wisdom in this life. Especially if you are below the age of 40, you need wisdom. Everybody needs wisdom regardless of the But we are the ones who are in good. Eager to make it in life, as you would say, or eager to be successful, eager to, be, to accomplish a lot, especially financially. We just pray for wisdom. Because it is the principle of faith. It is wisdom that will let us kill every spirit of haste. It is wisdom that will let you know that it is very unwise to compare yourself. It is wisdom that will let you know that God rules and reigns in the affairs of men. Father, we are so wisdom. 
We ask for that eye that we will see that you are working behind the scenes. We ask for wisdom to capitalize on the truth of the seasons of life. We ask for wisdom to overcome the obstacles of life. We ask for wisdom to overcome the period of waiting. We ask for wisdom to make good use of the gifts you have given unto us. And we ask for wisdom. And when we enter into our place of influence, we will do nothing else than to be the light the salt and the city. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Wow. God bless you all so, so much, especially even as we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. We are believing God for more grace. We are believing God for wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. We are believing God for resources. We are believing God for the energy to keep you consistent with this work that you have given us. And we hope that you also stick and stay with us because we know it's going to be a long time of renewing our minds. Thank you for being with us for one year. Remember to give God your best and to make sure that you owe no man nothing but love. Bye-bye and see you next week when we begin a new and exciting season. Bye.